Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings, everyone. Happy Monday, October 16th here on the Wolverine.com YouTube channel. If you're watching live, of course, uh, always available after the fact in your podcast feeds as well. Anthony Broom here along with Chris Ballas and Clayton Safey. Uh, it is week eight already, and it might be October 16th, but for Michigan, as Jim Harbaugh says, it's already November when the skies get gray and the leaves change colors. It's time to start chasing a championship. So uh, we will talk about his Monday press conference. Uh, we will talk about new Vegas odds that came out today about uh, the favorites to win a national title. And it's Michigan state week. It's rivalry week. So we will get that started as well. But uh, fellas, welcome back. Good to, uh, good to be back all of us this week. Yeah. I think uh, Harbaugh said all the leaves are Brown and the skies are gray, which is from a song that is well before your time and really mine too. So uh, California <laughs> dreaming. So maybe it has something to do with the Rose bowl or something. I don't know, but uh uh, interesting. And uh, you know what? I really th thought that they uh, understated rivalry week. It seems like they are really focused on the task at hand and looking at Michigan State. I wouldn't say just as another game, guys, but another bump in the road. Uh, and that's how they should be treating it. And that's what it needs to be. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's it's week eight. This team is absolutely rolling. As you said, Anthony, Michigan, now the favorite to win the national championship, according to uh, you know different odds makers. But uh, not that that means a whole lot at this point in the season. Um, you know, you, you got a big task ahead of you to go in and really dominate against an in-state opponent. It's Michigan State's biggest rivalry of the season, so they're going to get Mich or they're going to give Michigan their best shot. And, and as Jalen Harrell said today, it's Michigan's job to give them the best shot they have. So it should be a lot of fun on Saturday night. We will kick off rivalry week, of course, uh, a little bit later on. Talk about Jim Harbaugh's Monday presser and those aforementioned uh, national title odds. But before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping to do as we do every Monday night. Uh, we are brought to you this week by our pals at My, For My Perfect Franchise, specifically our pal Andy Ludicky. Are you a displaced corporate executive or wanting to put your career in your own hands or are you an experienced entrepreneur wanting to diversify? Well, Andy Ludicky can help. Andy is a huge college sports fan and franchise veteran, having owned multiple franchises and businesses on his own. Using his expertise, he helps others find their American dream through a very thorough consultation and evaluation process. So do uh, do yourself a favor. Call Andy. Put your life and career in your own hands. Best of all, his services are 100% free to you. So what do you have to lose? I mean, if, if there's an opportunity out there you're looking to get in on, if you have questions about getting into the franchise business, and uh, Andy is the guy for you to talk to. So head on over to myperfectfranchise.net. You can also book time with him over on the website 
or contact him at 404-973-9901. Again, once uh, again, shout out to our pal Andy and the work he does over there at My Perfect Franchise. Fellas, uh, as of Monday, October 16th, and there's a lot that's led to this, uh, Brock Bowers now injured maybe for the season. Some people saying four to six weeks. Uh, he's having a tightrope surgery for a high ankle sprain, but that has altered Georgia's national title odds enough to where, depending on the book you go to, Georgia and Michigan are either tied or Michigan slightly ahead. I think the last odds I saw were at plus 270. I think before the season, you could get Michigan around plus 1,200 or whatever it is. But uh, regardless, uh, and there's not a whole lot of stock that can always be put into Vegas lines. That's always indicative of where the money's coming in instead of you know what's being projected. But through eight weeks, this Michigan team has not screwed around at all. I mean, there's been a couple lapses here and there, a couple of, you know, obviously, maybe the worst quarter they played in the Jim Harbaugh era on Saturday. Uh, they had a slip up early on against Rutgers. Bowling Green was not always pretty, uh, actually pretty ugly uh, by their standard. But the way that this team continues to hammer everyone week in and week out, and then you look at how things are kind of shaping up nationally, uh, feels justified to put Michigan there the way they're handling their business right now. Yeah, and I honestly don't care uh, what the odds say. It really depends on you know what, it's a two-game season, frankly, right? Maryland loses to Illinois. Maybe that one's tricky for Michigan, I don't know. But uh doesn't mean a damn thing to me. I think if Michigan and Georgia were to line up on a neutral field, Georgia would probably be favored by five or six points still. That's just the way I see it. Um, and probably justifiably so, in my opinion. I just think that um, because two things, you know, you do look at the strength of schedule. Uh, Michigan's beaten every team how they should have beaten them. You know, yeah, it's it's been – bigger in some instances um, than maybe we expected it to be. A couple of games haven't been as good. So um, until they play Penn State and Ohio State, we really still don't know a lot about this Michigan team. Same with Penn State uh, and 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 maybe not Ohio State because Ohio State did go into Notre Dame and, and beat them. We saw what happened to USC there. So, um, But it's about matchups too there, so you can't really compare like that. But regardless, long-winded answer, guys, I don't give a crap about what what odds makers say uh, and I never have uh, when it comes to things like that basically it's all about going out and taking care of business on a weekend and week out basis and let's see what happens in Happy Valley here in a couple weeks yeah I, I don't care all that much either but I did say a week ago on this show that I thought Michigan was the best team in the country and I think it'd be a pick'em game between Michigan and Georgia at this point I think I would yeah. take Michigan in that matchup obviously you know including Bowers coming back healthy you know I think this is this is Michigan's best chance here to, to get it done but I mean the playoff run starts as, as I've been saying for a while now in November Jim Harbaugh now saying this basically is November and he's right I mean every game you got to win basically all of them to leave no doubt and you don't want to leave it up to a tiebreaker or having to back in to the playoff like Ohio State did last year which by the way nothing wrong with that it's just risky business when you're relying on other teams like that so yeah, it's, it's kind of a two-game, three-game season. You know, I, I think playing Maryland in November is a lot easier than playing Maryland like when Michigan did at the end of September a year ago because that team, for whatever reason, kind of wears down throughout the year and you know doesn't play as well when the elements get a little bit tougher. Um, you know, they're not built like a Michigan. So I think, you know, Michigan should be able to, to do well there, but it's going to come down to Penn State and Ohio State. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, but um, – I mean, you you look at it here. You start with Michigan State, you get the bye, and then you are you are right there in November. And that was kind of Jim Harbaugh's point 
and and then you roll from there and, and see what happens. But uh, I think it's it's interesting when you look around the country. This looks like the year that Michigan can can get it done. Not that they're going to. They have to still win all these games, but it feels like a heck of an opportunity at this point. Yeah, and um, in response to your Maryland thing, I think they've played in November. They've played Ohio State to the wire. What two out of the last four or five years or something like that when they've played at Maryland? If I'm not yeah, mistaken. but Ohio State's Ohio State's not Michigan. When you when you look at how Maryland's built compared to a Michigan, how much more physical Michigan is, I think, than Ohio State teams under Ryan Day. Um, you know, that's just kind of the way I, I see it, where they're kind of aren't built for that maybe type of battle against a team that's that's this physical. Yeah, and you know, losing to Illinois, it doesn't really matter, uh, right? Uh, they're they are who they are, uh, Maryland. They're capable of putting a scare into you at times, uh, and then they're capable of rolling over and losing to Illinois at home, which is inexcusable, frankly. That's just bad coaching, right? If you you go and you play a tough game at, at Ohio State and uh, hang with them for a half and look like you belong, and you talk, your coach is talking about how you're a contender and everything, and then you come home and you lose to Illinois. Maryland, the Terps, are, you know, they turp. That's exactly what tur- Turtle's going to turtle, and that's exactly what happened. Turtle's going to turtle. Uh, something I said over the weekend is when teams show you who they really are, believe them. Uh, mm-hmm. Maryland was completely unserious in that game against Ohio State, didn't do the things it needed to do to make that game. Uh, the game was more competitive than the final score would indicate, but certainly shot themselves in the foot, and they come back and lay an egg against Illinois. Uh, again, November's tough for Michigan, as tough as it gets, and that kind of speaks to the rest of the schedule. But when people talk about this gauntlet in the month of November that Michigan's going to face, no, it's a two-game season. It's Penn State, it's Ohio State, and you have that Maryland game sandwiched in the middle. And that's not to say that it won't be tight. I mean, we saw the Illinois game last year was tight the week before Ohio State. But um, let's tap the brakes on throwing Maryland in that gauntlet, so to speak. And and talk about, you know, separation weeks. This is what we're, you know, the part of the season we're in. We saw Oklahoma beat Texas last week. Uh, We saw USC show its ass to the world again defensively against Notre Dame. They're not to be taken seriously as a national title contender. Um, You know, Oregon and Washington, terrific game. I think there's a chance those two teams play again. And this week we'll have that big packing order game with Penn State and Ohio State. And that's kind of the one, the first domino that falls in determining what this November chase uh, sort of looks like for Michigan. So uh, I just thought that was interesting. Um, Again, uh, Vegas odds being what they are. Don't put a whole lot of stock into it, but if, I guess if you're someone who, uh, you know, if you're someone who put money on Michigan at plus twelve hundred before the season yeah. began or plus eight hundred, yeah. you're feeling pretty good about yourself right now. Uh, but at the forefront of that, sorry, did you another point to make? No, the only thing I was gonna I was gonna say is that um, I, I do agree with you guys that you know it's wide open. Uh, there's no question that it's wide open this year, and and there's not that one team that's like okay these these guys are head and shoulders above everybody else. And we're gonna find out more and more about these teams uh, here in the next couple of weeks, like you said, Penn State, Ohio State. So um, these are the games that we we wanted to watch now, right? We wanted to see Oregon and and Washington. That one lived up to the hype. Now we want to see Penn State, Ohio State. I think it is. Uh, better for Michigan if Ohio State holds serve there, right? Uh, on the off chance, you know, if say, say there's a three, three-way three uh, tie, then um, you know what? Then you still have a chance to win the tiebreaker, as, as tough as that might be. So um, with the, the West probably being, you know, your, your record against the West probably being the tiebreaker there. So, uh, so are we rooting for Ohio State this week, guys? Or um, should I say, are we rooting against Penn State this week? I just root for good stories that you know that about me. So there's no, I mean, I got no dog ever, in the fight. So ever the professional. Uh, I, I mean, objectively speaking, it's probably better for Michigan that 
Ohio State handles handles its business at home. Um, but again, I mean, rooting for it. I mean, I think you're just you'll see what the scenario is like because if you're a team that talks about it, wants to be about it, has been about it two years in a row, you're going to take care of your business in those games and get to Indy anyways, right? So uh, for me, it's just kind of more clarity on what the path looks like. But really, when you look at how the two teams match up, I do think that Ohio State winning that game Saturday is probably slightly better for Michigan in terms of the Big Ten championship you know, being something that they have the most control over uh, in, in that regard. So, um, But if Michigan's going to win a Big Ten championship, if Michigan's going to win a national championship, J.J. McCarthy is going to be at the forefront of that. And I thought Jim Harbaugh had some interesting comments on Monday afternoon at his press conference where uh, essentially says that he has a chance to be, uh, or uh, to quote him accurately, J.J. McCarthy is on the path to be the best quarterback in Michigan history. I'll read this whole quote here. And Chris, of course, wrote the story uh, on it over at thewolverine.com, which you can read right now. Uh, Harbaugh says, I feel like I stand corrected from what I've been saying the last several months, which I think J.J. is a once-in-a-generation quarterback. J.J. has shown to be on the path to be the best quarterback in Michigan history. The statistics, I'm sure, speak to that. And the statistic that speaks to it the most is amount of successful drives. He's had 213 drives. We've scored on 130 of those drives. And 96 have been touchdowns. 34 of them have been field goals, 61%. So it's really remarkable. There's no stat that demonstrates the quality of quarterback play more than that statistic in my mind. I think going forward, J.J. will be the quarterback that all future quarterbacks are compared to. So Jim kind of calling a shot there. And again, I know at least some of the the statistics, the single season records, obviously the 25 touchdown passes in a single season. We'll see if that winds up, you know, being something that J.J. breaks this year, but kind of kind of calling a shot and and Harbaugh himself being one of the the best quarterbacks in program history. But what do you fellas think about you know, the, the path that he's on and, and what it will take for him to get there. I think Jim was listening to my segment on the Jamie Morris's show three weeks ago when I said the same thing. And Jamie kind of laughed at me a little bit and he said, pump the brakes. And I said, man, I said, okay, we did our vote, right? At the Wolverine.com, we did our poll. Who is the best Michigan quarterback of all time? And I think Jim Harbaugh was number one uh, in that poll, you know, and we've got older guys on there as well. We've got veterans that saw Jim Harbaugh play. You guys obviously didn't did he did he freeze? Yeah, I'm not seeing anything. We lost him. Well, that's when you when you start invoking the ghosts of Oosterbahn and Yoast and all that. That's you know, you lose your Wi-Fi. So um <laughs> <laughs> I guess Clayton, uh this is where I wanted I mean, I'll get your thoughts on that first and then um you know, some some benchmarks maybe that we're looking at moving forward to put himself in that race. Yeah, I mean Look, there have been a lot of really good quarterbacks at Michigan, great quarterbacks, including guys that have gone on to have success in the NFL. It's not just Tom Brady, but there was a long, long list of guys really kind of starting with Harbaugh back in the 80s and then you know Michigan with a string of, of quarterbacks to go on and have success there. Um, but J.J. McCarthy, I don't think we've seen anyone with the talent of him at Michigan. Um, and now he's starting to kind of put it together consistently and – actually play at, at this high of a level and not just kind of make a wild throw here or make a play with his legs there. Like it's all, he's doing all those things and he has the efficiency and he's just leading this team as well. It just feels like more and more it's his team almost by the week. We knew that kind of coming into the year that it was going to have more of that feel, but it just feels like that even more as you go on throughout this season. So 
I mean, I think he's on the path too. I mean, it, it's always interesting when you try to say like who's the greatest of all time and then, you know, you have to invoke stats or longevity. Like Bo Jackson may have been the greatest athlete of all time, but a lot of people don't consider him that because of the lack of longevity. Um, but you could look at him and say, hey, he was when he was healthy, that sort of thing. So there's so many different criteria. Everyone has their own criteria, but I think I think J.J. McCarthy is is right there and probably will end up being the best quarterback in Michigan history. And, and is Jim also planting the seed for him maybe coming back and, and getting some of those uh, stats as well and accolades that could lead him towards that? I think I don't think that was part of why he said it, but that I had that thought where if he comes back next year, there's there's almost no question in my mind if things go according to plan and he comes back that he'd be not only on that path, but way, way, way further down that path as well. Yeah, and for me, when you look at how do we – I'm not – is he on the path? I think we can have that conversation for sure as of October 16th, 2023. I mean, there's a lot of football left to be played. I mean, at the very least, maybe six, seven games or eight, as many as eight games left this year, and we'll see what he decides to do in, in 2024. But I, I think his legacy and how he is remembered is going to kind of go hand-in-hand with – what this era of Michigan football winds up being remembered as in terms of do you do you get back to the college football playoff this year? Can you I think the next benchmark is having a playoff win. I think that's important. I mean as as remarkable as the comeback against TCU was, uh, a big I won't say dark mark on JJ's resume right now, but uh, you know he made mistakes in that game that led them to having to make that huge of a comeback. So I think delivering on the biggest stage, and we've seen him, you know, when your offense fundamentally changes last year, you lose Blake Corum, you, uh, you know, you have to kind of transform yourself late in the season. What he does at Ohio State, what he did in the Big Ten Championship game, that's that's remarkable. And those are things that will always be remembered. And, and you look at the way he's playing right now, he is just in complete and total command of this offense. And I know that, you know, the way Michigan does play, doesn't lend him lend, lend itself to you know the the video game type of numbers, but you know what he does and what he's been able to do within the confines. And I don't want to even say confines; it's more the framework of what they want to do. Uh, it, it has been remarkable, and I, I have no issue saying he is maybe the most purely talented in terms of complete skill set uh, a Michigan quarterback we've ever seen. I mean, I would, that's it's probably him and Drew Henson in that category but if jj goes out there and and went just wins a playoff game and god forbid wins a national title i have no issue putting him in that same conversation of not just quarterbacks but you know then he becomes what desmond howard was in terms of legacy charles woodson was in terms of legacy uh then you start talking about him as maybe like a mount rushmore type of guy yeah i agree with that and i think he's going to be a heisman finalist and they're going to have opportunities uh, I think he's second right now or, or third in Heisman odds behind Michael Penix and Dylan Gabriel, the Oklahoma quarterback. Um, so I think he's going to have a chance to do that. I, but I'll push back a little bit on him needing to do it in the semifinals or on the on the biggest stage, because when you really look back, um, the only guy that actually did that on the on the biggest stage was Brian Greasy. And he obviously had a great defense and not to take anything away from and so does J.J., but not to take anything away from what Brian Greasy did, but I don't think people are putting him up there in that category right now of greatest quarterback in Michigan history. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, they finished number two, um, you know, one time Michigan had some other great finishes as well under some of the other top quarterbacks to play here. But I think if he does 
like what he did a year ago. And, and again, it'd be even more because they're, they're asking him to do more this year. But against Ohio State, in that big game against Penn State, in the Big Ten Championship, that sort of thing, he could be right there in that conversation. And then the next level of that, because Michigan hasn't had a quarterback, really, I mean, Tom Harmon played some of it, but be a Heisman winner, you know, um, in, in history, then you're looking at, yeah, he's up there with, with Woodson or whatever, if he can win the Heisman. And I think that is, that is really possible. I don't, I think people are looking at the stats too much and not realizing what he's doing, how he's already kind of in position right now. And then also that they have two massive games that everybody in the country will be watching in November that can really stamp him, you know, get that stamp of approval and, and move him on to New York. Um, and, and the Big Ten Championship game as well in December. So I, I think I think he's he's probably going to leave here as as the greatest quarterback in Michigan history. Obviously, it's subjective, but that would be you know my opinion and maybe what I think would be the the sort of consensus as they come out of here. Well, the point at the end of the day is that folks, JJ McCarthy has has entered the chat and is probably firmly in that discussion right now so we'll see what ha- ends up happening it, with that it's funny how harbaugh's he's bringing this stuff up no one's asking him any of this like he he came into big 10 media day saying hey he's like patrick mahomes and josh allen and the way that he's willing to do anything for his team i think people took that a little out of context and then beginning of the year he's like oh yeah he's you know it's you know he, the way he's playing is you know he had all these different attributes for it then a couple of weeks ago he started to bring in the caleb williams and you know he's the he's the best quarterback in the country you know, last week he actually talked about Caleb Williams and said, oh, they're right there. It's those two. And now he's saying he's the best in Michigan history. No one's asking him about, about this stuff to put it in historical context. And you're also talking about a guy in Jim Harbaugh who does not really like to compare, especially great to great, as he says. You know, he doesn't even like to compare Peyton Manning to Tom Brady. I think we all know who, who he would have in that debate. But, you know, publicly he doesn't want to diminish anybody. Yet he's he's willing to do this, and he does have extreme credibility as a Michigan football historian, uh, but also a former Michigan football quarterback. So um, it's just it's funny to see and entertaining, and and also he's making great points when he's bringing all this up on his own without being asked. Well, I'll have your I'll have you call your shot today then. Uh, Heisman candidacy comes around. It's time to pick who's going to that ceremony. Is he there? Oh yeah, yep. I think so. He's sorry. He's back. It's nonstop, fellas. What are you going to do? So, could you hear me scream? No. Uh, yeah. I mean, you owe, out. I'm so you sick owe of like several hundred dollars to the Wolverine.com swear. I do. Spectra. Yeah. Spectrum uh, can kiss my butt. So, anyway, uh, what are we talking about? Where was I? Well, I just I want to I want to know what your criteria is or what you'd like to see to make JJ McCarthy, you know, put him firmly in that convert, not just the conversation, but Jim Harbaugh calls a shot. What do you need to see to feel that way? Just more of what the same, right? Um, he's got to do it against the elite teams, but he's proven he can, right? When he went out to Ohio State and what he did there, uh, that elevated him among how many Michigan quarterbacks that have never beaten that hadn't beaten Ohio State like that on the road, right? Uh, if you look at uh, Denard Robinson, if you look at Chad Henney, was an offer against Ohio State. So he's proven he can do it, and he's making guys look better than they are, fellas. Uh, he is really that offensive line at, at tackle. Those guys need to be better, and uh, there are reasons that plays are still. And I'll give you an example: the touchdown to Colston Loveland, right? It looked like Ladarius Henderson picked up the wrong guy. Uh, and J.J. scrambles out of there and makes a touchdown happen uh, when he probably should have been sacked and, and hit from the blind side. So this guy has 
so many Harbaugh type intangibles. It is uh, it is really impressive. And uh, to me, he just has to keep on that on that trajectory. He's got to stay healthy, and his offensive line has to do a little bit better job there, in my opinion. But um, you know, with between the running and the passing. Yeah, uh, and in this day and age, Harbaugh could move, but they never u- really used him as a runner. Maybe occasionally on a quarterback draw, but the way they're using him in the read option, and now he's starting to get it, fellas, even better on when to keep and when to hand off. Uh, he's on the trajectory to be perhaps the best Michigan quarterback ever. I wonder if a guy has ever went to the Heisman ceremony and only played in like two or three fourth quarters the entire season. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and that's, that's the thing, man. It is the thing. It is. It's like the 70s all over again, and I'll continue to say it with this schedule this year, and that'll change next year. Ask Jim Harbaugh about it. He said, yeah, I saw it. I couldn't tell you who we play next year. You know, I looked at it for a second. I guess it's exciting, he said, but um, they'll make up for it, but this just happens to be one of those years. Let's not pretend that Michigan has been playing an easy schedule here for for several, uh, you know, week after week, uh, year after year. Yeah, I mean, they played either Notre Dame or a Power 5 opponent, I think, for like five plus decades um, or, or maybe even more than that every single season. So this is not a, a Michigan thing. There, there have been much lighter schedules. And also you can't apologize for just being better than everyone. I mean, we're in the big 10 schedule now, like they're getting knocked now for the arrangement of the order of the big 10 teams they're playing and their division teams and all this, like you're just better. You should get almost more credit for that than anything. I think. Oh, yeah, you expect Nebraska. To, I mean, I, I mean, you, you expect Nebraska. It's a traditional power, or at least to be much better than they have been. Minnesota should be better under PJ Fleck. Uh, Michigan State. I guess the hope was that they would be better, but again, it's it's not Michigan's fault that the Big Ten stinks. I mean, the fact that uh, Clayton earlier said that you're going to have people watching, you know, Michigan play Penn State and Ohio State in two of the maybe most viewed games of the year. I'd argue there's maybe three. If Iowa gets to Indy, I think people are going to see uh, tune in to see if Iowa can really win a Big Ten championship by scoring less than 13 points a game or whatever. <laughs> so um, totally remarkable and totally bonkers that they continue to somehow win, but that also speaks to how terrible this conference is too. So that's why that's why it's important how it looks. You have When you keep butchering teams week in and week out, that's what you are. And you know, in all seven games. And if you want to make the argument that Bowling Green was a little wonky, six of seven games, Michigan's done just that. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Of course, a rivalry game coming up this weekend. We'll set the table for that here in a moment. But I want to take a few minutes here to talk about another new advertiser on the podcast, Barry Gallagher. Uh, He has written a book called Lloyd Carr's Michigan Football Journey. Millions of Michigan Wolverine football fans love Lloyd Carr almost as much as he loved the University of Michigan, still loves the University of Michigan. And Barry's book details how an interim coach stepped up for the Michigan Wolverines and won his way into the College Football Hall of Fame. Lloyd Carr's Michigan football journey tells a complete story of Coach Lloyd Carr's 28-year journey, 15 years as an assistant and 13 as a head coach, to bring Michigan football back to national prominence and how he kept it there. Coach Carr's incredible work gave Michigan football fans one of the greatest eras in the school's magnificent history. No losing seasons in 13 years, one national title, five Big Ten championships, and six bowl wins, the most in Michigan football history. Uh, this book will give you a comprehensive look at the amazing Michigan career of Lloyd Henry Carr Jr. It's full of original research, charts, tables, and more that clearly illustrate how and why Coach Carr became a college football coaching legend. Uh, Rich Hewlett, one of Carr's first players at Michigan, also wrote a heartfelt forward that sets the tone 
for a closer look at one of college football's greatest coaches. So you can order your copy today on Amazon, and it is also available at themden.com. So shout out to Barry Gallagher. Check out his new book, Lloyd Carr's Michigan Football Journey. All right, fellas, uh, it is rivalry week here. Uh, it doesn't have quite the juice that maybe others have. I think our early look at this game, uh, Michigan's a 24-point favorite. I think we kind of expect this to look a lot like the last few weeks have, just in terms of what's going on at Michigan State. But it is a trophy game. It is week eight, and Michigan finally gets a chance to knock off one of the boxes uh, that they set for themselves each year. There's four, four expectations. It's beat Michigan State, beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, win the national championship. And Saturday, regardless of a two and four record, regardless of you know the, the coaching change, the interim situation there, uh, Mark D'Antonio back on the sidelines, all eyes are going to be on what Michigan comes out and, and does against the Michigan State Spartans because I know the old adage is throw the records out when these two teams get together. I'll, I'll dive deeper into the Spartans this week. Obviously, we all will, but I, I don't see – I expect this one to look a lot like the other ones have. And uh, the other thing too, is that uh, we didn't get a lot of, you know, there wasn't really, they're not really biting on the questions about what happened last year in the tunnel. They're just, you know, he put in the past, Jim Harbaugh said, have a goldfish mentality. Like JJ McCarthy says, and players just want to get back on that bus and they'll, they'll bring Paul Bunyan with them, but want to make sure that Paul stays in Ann Arbor as well. Yeah, and you know what? The thing, Michigan State teams that beat Michigan generally have some elite skill players or really good skill players, right? And uh, I'm not seeing any on this team that really scare you. I think Trey Mosley is the the most the scariest receiver. Uh, is that right? Is he even their leading receiver right now? I don't know. I know he was hurt one year or one week, but um, you know they've got decent backs, but there's no Kenneth Walker there. And uh, so as long as they're prepared and they're not uh, getting you know, set at the snap like they were a couple of years ago when they were caught off guard. Michigan was clearly the better team a couple of years ago and still found a way to lose that game. But again, you had some really good skill position players that were doing some things in that game for Michigan State. I don't see that being the case this year. And, uh, and up oh, there's Mel Tucker. I don't, is he coming to the game? Is he going to be there? Is, the, is he going to be the guest, uh, the guest captain for the Spartans? I don't know. But, uh, um, to me, guys, it's simple. Uh, is this going to be like the Rutgers game at home this year? Uh, or is this going to be like, yeah, Mel's not there anymore, Megan. <laughs> so, uh, it's a ghost. It's yes, a ghost exactly. Um, is he going to be, is this going to be uh, like the Rutgers game this year where, okay, it's going to be maybe somewhat tough in the third quarter and then you pull away? Because Michigan State's pl still playing hard, fellas, at least until the fourth quarter of last game when it started to fall apart. They played hard against Iowa, and I expected them to fold in that game after the, the NIL stuff. Uh, I will give them credit for that. They played toe-to-toe -to -toe with Iowa, which is a physical team, and they moved the ball at times, but turnovers have been their undoing. And what we saw a couple years ago when they played Rutgers in 2020 and they turned the ball over like seven times in the first game, they didn't turn it all over at all against Michigan in 2020 against the bad Michigan team and ended up controlling and winning that game. They are not controlling this game. Uh, there's no chance of that, but can they keep it closer than expected? Maybe if things go wrong for Michigan and if Michigan uh, starts out like they did against Indiana, I don't anticipate that. I would expect this somewhere in the 34 to 10 range, just like we've been you know, predicting each and every week. But I don't think Michigan will let up if they have the foot on the gas and they start pulling away. I could see Michigan State rolling over a little bit in this one and maybe folding uh, all together in the third and fourth quarters. Yeah, nor, nor should Mich Michigan you know, let the foot off the gas. I mean, I think mm -hmm. you tried the Ronnie Bell pass last year. It didn't work. I mean, I'd say try a Donovan Edwards pass. Try a Roman Wilson pass if you can. 
Um, but no, I mean, Michigan State's playing okay football. I mean, in all honesty, their special teams have really kind of screwed them over the last couple games as well um, in, in the turnovers, like you mentioned. You kind of clean those up in, in a game where you hit, you tighten up the game plan and you, you get your guys you know focused and everything for a rivalry game. There's a chance they hang in there for a while, I think. I mean, there's honestly a chance of anything happening going into a game. Um, you know, I mean, people were freaking out at, you know, early on in the Indiana game, Michigan was a 34 point favorite coming in. This is 10 points fewer and you never know what can happen this time you're on the road as well. But yeah, I mean, when you go back and look at some of the upsets, Michigan state has pulled on Michigan over the years, it's usually a pretty good Michigan state team over a pretty good or very good Michigan team. It's not usually, and really hardly ever a bad Michigan State team against a good Michigan team, let alone a great or elite one. So that has to be noted as well. They have pulled off some nice upsets, you know, in many different ways that you would almost think are unthinkable, uh, you know, coming in. But and you have to give them credit for that and making some plays that they do. But this really hasn't happened. So, um, you know, I, and especially under under Jim Harbaugh, he's had some tough losses against these guys. But when they're the clearly better team. In 2020, it was, I think, a 24-point spread as well. That was ridiculous. No one knew what either team was. Michigan was terrible. Michigan State was terrible. And that was just kind of the way it went. But I guess people you know, can try to use that as an example. I saw that on Twitter today. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's anywhere near an apt comparison for this one. So uh, I'm expecting it to be pretty lopsided on Saturday as well. Yeah, I'm sure the analysis will get a little more, I won't say meaner as the week goes on, but facts are mean. I mean, when you go dive into the matchup and you see how lopsided it is, We'll get in all of that stuff uh, later this week, but the thing about this Michigan State program, I will give them some credit. I mean, I, I for the most part, again, we thought that when Tucker was officially let go that you'd see an exodus of guys in the transfer portal. I think for the most part, they've kept things intact. Uh, they are playing hard. Um, the reason that they are bad right now is, one, the roster is just not very good, and two, I don't, they're, they're even worse coached right now than they were before their head coach was let go earlier this year. I mean, lining up to field an onside kick with whatever it was, eight minutes left is just, it's laughable. And, and you look at some of the mistakes that they've made and they're just not, they don't have the poise. They play hard, but they don't have the poise. And I don't think they have the horses to hang. Uh, I think this, um, the one thing that, you know, early on in the week, as you guys are planning what the bet, you know, what your bet slips look like or what you want to do with this game. Michigan in the last 15 games against Michigan State is 2-12 and 1 against the spread. So, I do think that number's probably going to go up a little week uh, a little bit as we get later into the week, but uh that's the one thing, you know, uh even in the years where Michigan has been just clearly better than Michigan State, sometimes that number is hard to cover and and who knows, maybe it gets up to you know, 25, 26 and oh gosh, you only win 38 to 10 or whatever it is. I don't know, math is mathing not very well for me right now, but uh yeah, I look at this team and I just don't – the way we see them focus week in and week out, you know, if you were going to catch them – Blake Corum, I think, put it best on Monday. He said, you know, we have a we have a bye week next week. Uh, we are going to, you know, put spill everything, blood, sweat, and tears into emptying the tank on Saturday night because they're going to have a week to rest up. And then they'll, they'll get healthy. They'll get right. They'll come back on November 4th and play Purdue. But uh, in the here and now, I mean, there's – we're lacking a lot of storylines here other than I think on Saturday, it will be very clear just how wide the gap is between these two programs. And, you know, maybe they can, maybe they make some kind of home run hire, but whoever comes in to clean up this mess 
it's going to take a while. And I think that Saturday will, will further illustrate that. Hatred is one hell of a motivator guys. And, uh, you know, I know you're a star Wars geek, I think Anthony, aren't you? So I always go back to Anakin Skywalker and, uh, yeah, there you have, he's got the lunchbox, baby. Uh, Anakin Skywalker, uh, you know, with Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's out, I hate you. And you can see it in his face. And that's what you see from these Michigan state fans when it comes to Michigan and it, and it can bring out the best in you can bring out the worst in you. And Mark D'Antonio chose to use hatred as his motivator. The fan base ate it up and that's what, frankly made the rivalry as ugly as it's gotten you know and where michigan started responding and you do your best to to stay above the fray man but uh, how much can you take before you fire back and you say okay enough is enough it's like we're going to continue to do what we can do to get your attention and last year it was assaulting kids in the tunnel and that's you know jim harbaugh to his credit since he got here you know what it's like okay you know michigan state yeah we have respect for mark d'antonio so on and so forth and then, then each year you know what uh he gets a little bit more insight into what makes the rivalry what it is and has been recently, and it's that hatred. And finally, it spilled over last year. So he got a first up, uh, a close up look, uh, two years, yeah, as to what this thing is all about. So I don't expect any mercy on there if they have an opportunity to run it up, nor should there be, frankly. Uh, put them back in their place and move on is probably what they are thinking in Schembechler Hall. Yeah. And also, too, the players were asked, Jalen Harrell and Blake Corum, about that and Jalen Harrell said no we don't really talk about that whole uh incident you know some people are calling it incident or or you know other adjectives you know it was just you know I got yelled at for saying shenanigans last week attacks yeah not not shenanigans but yeah like they said you know we don't really talk about that anymore but he was you know the smile he gave kind of uh told the story as well that's going to be a motivator when you see two of your brothers uh you know unprovoked by you know, Michigan State players are unprovoked and you know they just come after him for no good reason. And some of those players are going to be on the field Saturday against Michigan. It's going to be a motivator, and you know, you would hope it would be, but it's nothing that I don't think they're taking, you know, they're placing on importance, you know, higher than the game itself, winning winning the football game. I think they can do both at the same time, certainly use it as a motivator, but also stay focused, also you know, play to the echo of the whistle and play within the white lines and and do basically what you've done under Jim Harbaugh is play disciplined football, um, you know, compared to, as Josh Metellus said in 2019, I don't know what we play football over here. I don't know what they do over there. Uh, you know, it's, it's certainly true, a, a theme for Michigan State over the years, 60 minutes of unnecessary roughness, that sort of thing. But it seems like this Michigan team is really focused, but, you know, their answers maybe don't tell the whole story on how motivated they are by by what happened with those unprovoked attacks last year. And wait a minute, you're saying that Jim Harbaugh didn't send those kids up into the tunnel to provoke these guys? I'm saying he did not. I'm saying he didn't did somebody not. write that? What was that the dumbest thing that you've ever read anywhere? Uh, in just trying to describe well, Jim Harbaugh, this was all part of his plan, his master plan. Send up a couple of kids, one of them injured, to get their asses kicked by seven or eight guys and uh, and make Michigan State look bad. You mean that's not how it went down? I don't think so, CB. And if 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 that was written, uh, it's it's unthinkable. But you know, a lot of the things that are you know said over there, I think, are amusing to me. So um, oh that's that's just not right, and it's not the truth either. Is really what's most important. It's not the truth, and it is uh, remains baffling that that was anyone's takeaway from it. Uh, final thought on that. Again, I thought I, I think I said it last year around this time is that the idea that uh, that was something that was orchestrated by Michigan. First of all, if so, that's bad planning on Michigan's part because you'd sent 
a couple guys that weighed 180 pounds soaking wet, uh, skilled players and, and whatnot. And send a couple of your big. No, I'm just kidding. It didn't. It's unthinkable. Let's yes. let's. I'm so goldfish mentality. It's over. We move on. Right. We'll see what happens from there. Uh, let's move on to questions, fellas. Uh, Real quick. Let's. It's gonna yeah. be great. It's gonna be great to see Mike Hart uh, on the on the sideline across from Mark D'Antonio. I <laughs> <laughs> wonder if there's a uh, pregame handshake. Can't imagine that's going to happen. Yeah. No, no, I don't think so either. I wouldn't um, waste my time if I'm Mike. I'll say that. I I think you just get in and get out with a victory. That's yep. all you need to do. That the yep. violence occurs on the field. That's how it should be. So, 100%. Uh, let's go to questions now. We have some from the message board. We have some also from our friends in the YouTube chat. Uh, and again, if you're someone who's watching live on YouTube right now, you can use that donate button below to move yourself to the front of the line. So I would encourage that. Uh, we'll start with one from the chat, though. This one's from Happy Bradley. And I think an important thing to address right off the bat this week. Who does Michigan want to win on Saturday in Penn State versus Ohio State? Uh, I think Penn State. And like I said, um, if there's going to be a three-way tie somehow, then, you know, you, you need Ohio State to beat Penn State. And and then a lot of things have to go right. You know, I, I clearly uh, Michigan's path here is to win out, right? But there is a, a chance that they're going to lose at Penn State. That right. is a tough place to play. And uh, even if Michigan's the better team, uh, as they were a couple of years ago, that thing came right down to the wire, fellas. And I would imagine that type of game again. So um, I think Ohio State, then you take care of business against Ohio State at home. Um, hopefully you take care of business against Penn State. But even if you don't, then you still have a chance to get to the Big Ten championship game. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I think I agree with you. It's tough to say. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's tough to root for Ohio State, right? Yeah, it would be. If I had a dog in the fight, that would be tough for me yeah. to do. But If you weren't an unbiased um, journalist. Right. It, I'm just – whatever the best story is is kind of what I, I what I go for. But, um, you know, it, it is tough to say because – Coming into the year, I still thought Ohio State was going to be the toughest game for Michigan. Um, you know, you could argue with now on the road at Penn State and with the way Penn State has looked, you know, kind of how they hoped they were going to look or the Penn State fans did. And we'll see again. It's all going to start this weekend on how we really determine how good these teams are. But I think I agree with you. Um, and it's not loser talked either to have this debate. Like some people are like, oh, well, just it doesn't matter if we went out. It's like, yeah, but you don't have control over that. You're trying to and you don't have control over this either. But um, you know, you're trying to figure out a path and, you know, it, win many different scenarios. And, you know, that's kind of what Ohio State had the benefit of doing last year. Uh, so, you know, you certainly have to keep an eye on, you know, what else is going down, especially when it's in your own division. Well, it's clarity and it's data points. Like that's that's what it is. Um, so, I mean, I think the thing you root for the most is is just that clarity. I mean, to know what those scenarios are and it's not going to matter one way or another how they prepare for this stretch of games. They're going to try and win every single one of them. But uh, I do think – I can't get a read on this one yet. My initial gut feeling, though, about this game, someone's getting blown out on Saturday night, and I'm not sure who it is mm. yet. But that's my that's my take This uh, ahead of – I'll workshop that for a few days. But that's – I think that's where this one is headed. So Wow. Isn't that a noon game? Big yeah. noon. Yep. yep. So right. watch that game – Pretty much watch the whole thing and head to East Lansing. It's going to be, yep. it's going to be a good day of football. I think should be. Yes, sir. We love those clarity games. We love pecking order games. Uh, I am going to now move one, uh, move to one from 
the message board uh, from our buddy Jacob Sherba. We love Jacob. He says, what do you make of the breakdown in pass protection on Saturday? Was this an issue of the first quarter sleepwalking or is it indicative of technique issues that aren't being fixed week to week? It feels like a concern with better opposing edge talent on the horizon in the November games. Lack of concentration on one, I think, with Henderson, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, block two, you had two guys blocking one, and they let one guy come straight through. Yep. Uh, JJ gets out of there, and, and uh, but he's getting hit too much. There's no question about it. I didn't think Carson Barnhart came to play. I thought he needed to be better. Uh, and he's a veteran, and that shouldn't happen. Uh, come on, Carson, step up, man. You're a veteran here. Uh, be better. And, and you know, we aren't call, about calling out individuals here, but your season's on the line when your quarterback is back there. And you know damn well Michigan State's going to be coming after J.J. McCarthy, knowing that their best opportunity is to rattle him and hit him like they did with Devin Gardner several years ago when they hit him, what, 28 times? which was unacceptable. You know, they probably could have fired the coaching staff after that game for the way it went, or at least the offensive line coach. So, um, yeah, that's an issue. Uh, but I think it's something that you kind of have to live with right now that uh, and understand that this is going to be kind of the weaker link of your football team. Not a weak link per se, but a weaker link in that it's still too leaky uh, on the outsides against the, against the tackles. So those guys need to step up. And I do think that the concentration level will be higher this week. Uh, I do think it'll be higher in the other games, but you would like to see it where they come to play um, and don't let their quarterback get hit ever. Uh, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Indiana is not exactly a juggernaut here when it comes to pass uh, pass rush. Yeah, and I think the concentration level will be higher because of whatever the film session was going over that tape uh, tape for those tackles as well. They, they do have to be better. I agree. Some people were blaming Donovan Edwards for the one, uh, but it was probably on Ladarius Henderson based on the way the other guys – protected so he kind of went the wrong way and then Carson Barnhart I mean that was that was not very good and I agree with Jacob Sherba too um you're gonna face some better edge rushers here going forward Chop Robinson I think uh you know Penn State has four or five different edge rushers with 13 or more pressures this year kind of mm -hmm. like Michigan where they can really rotate guys in you're gonna have to be a lot better in that game you're gonna have to be better against uh JT whatever how you say his last name for Ohio State and their edge rushers as well um, and if you want to win a national championship, you got to keep JJ clean. You got to make sure he gets to those games healthy, as you said, Chris. And, uh, you know, so th I think it, it is a concern um, of mine as they go forward. We've seen it from the tackle spots a few times this year. Not a lot, but and really JJ took four sacks on Saturday. It was three in the six games prior. It would have been more if it wasn't JJ McCarthy back there. I mean, he's his athleticism has gotten himself out of some situations, too. Yeah, that's the ultimate equalizer. I mean, you don't want your quarterback to, to have to run around and improvise, but certainly when that is something that has had to happen, Michigan's got one of the best in the country when it comes to that. So uh, that brings some peace of mind at least. But again, don't get him. Don't don't take hits and don't allow unnecessary hits on your quarterback. And don't spin. I think uh, John Jansen said he told J.J. not to spin in the middle of the field like that, and J.J. said – you're the 40th guy that told me that, but thanks. You know, I'm you know just trying to make a play and everything. I think he took the criticism, you know, well, but uh, sure. don't spin like that on that play. Yes. PSA for the week. Uh, let's go to this one from the chat from Darren Talks Ball. We also like to talk ball, Darren. Uh, good evening. What do you guys make of young guys like uh, Samaj Morgan and Car Carmelo English getting playing time over Darius Clemens? Is that injury related? Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm getting tired of talking about Darius and he's got to step up. Uh, you know, I don't care if it's, if it's minor injuries and you can play through it or whatever guys play banged up. 
Um, if you're out there and you're capable of playing, then you better make plays or you're going to get passed up. This is big boy football. And uh, we've been, we were the ones singing his praises when he first got here and talking about his potential. At some point, potential has got to translate into something that happens on the field. And guess what? It is translating for guys like uh, Morgan, for guys like English. So guys like Tyler Morris are, are going to be in there. Tyler Morris, by the way, on punt return, I'm like starting to like that. So uh, averaging 14 yards of return, but um, that's what it comes down to making the most of opportunities Frederick Moore as well. So um, otherwise, you know what, uh, you're going to get passed up and that's just basically that it's as simple as that. Yeah. And I think also too, like they're just all different players. So Samaj Morgan's kind of carved out this role for himself as a guy who can catch it. And then they kind of want to get him a lane to run with the football. Darius Clemens, I thought looked pretty good against Nebraska with a couple catches. Um, you know, Carmelo English, that was more garbage time. But again, Clemens only had three snaps and English had a handful. So, yeah, there, it's probably I don't I don't think it's injury related. I think it's it's kind of depth chart and situation related. And um, I think Clemens has potential, but you got to realize potential to to be a factor. This is a question here from Antoine Johnson, who says, have you asked Jim, does he have a contingency plan if he were to lose a coach? If we lose Jesse, will he find another Ravens defensive former uh, coordinator? Do, does Jim have people learning under him? And the short answer for that is yes. I mean, there's always kind of a trajectory for guys. I mean, we saw Kirk Campbell get elevated to quarterbacks coach. We've seen Grant Newsom get elevated. When they've lost guys, there's always first thing you do, right, is you call up John and see which pupil from the Ravens he wants to send over for his uh, NFL internship. So, no, we don't need to ask him. I think he's just kind of shown over the years that, uh, he's made really good quality head coach or uh, assistant coaching hires, and none of them. I mean, they've all been home run hires in the last three years or so. Antoine, this is an elite question, and frankly, this is one that I was thinking of asking at the press conference today of Jim Harbaugh. Except that there, there's a time and a place for that, and I don't think Michigan State Week is that. But when he talks about uh, the guys, you know, and these guys are going to be uh, next level coaches, and Jesse Minter is, I think he could be an NFL DC as soon as this year. From the people that we've spoken with, um, he's going to be in demand as he should be. But I was thinking, okay. Do you train a guy like Chris Partridge, who has been a DC before? He is studying. He's a brilliant football mind. We know Steve Klinkscale is too as a co-DC. Are you training these guys to know your defense and to watch these tendencies and to understand what is being done so that there's continuity, right? Because you can go out and get another Ravens DC, um, but are they going to be just like Minter and McDonald and, and have that background uh who knows so uh but i think that's a, a fantastic question because uh that means everything uh the continuity and running the same defense year after year after year now if it's a defense that's going to get exposed uh like don browns for example then and teams get wise to it then that's one thing but when it's somebody that is mixing things up like minter is and like mike mcdonald did before him uh, that's elite stuff. Antoine, I cannot thank you enough for that question. That was on my mind today as well. So that's the direction I hope they will go. And that will be a question that we ask Jim Harbaugh maybe in the offseason um, or maybe like at one of the bowl games when we have 45 minutes with him at, at the table or something like that. We will bring that up, and I will remember you for that. Thank you. Yeah, or next, next week during the bye or something like that. Yeah, you never know what kind of answer he's going to give on something like that, especially in the season. So you're right. But I, I do agree. This is a great question. I think Jim Harbaugh does a great job of developing his coaches too. 
Um, you know, when you look at it and, and even Gus Johnson was talking about it on the broadcast of this last game about the different offensive coordinators that have gone on to, to be head coaches and have gone on to, to the NFL, that sort of thing. He even he left out Pep Hamilton as well, who coached under Jim. Um, so, you know, obviously didn't do all that well at Michigan, but has been successful. Um, I think that we could see that. And yeah, continuity is a good thing when you're when you're keeping a good thing together, you know, um, and, and that could be the case with this. But I think Chris Partridge would be a fantastic guy to be next in line if Jesse Minter left, um, which is which is still obviously an if. But yeah, they got some options there. Uh, it's it's going to be a win. It's a win, I think, not an if with Jesse. And I, you know what? And maybe it won't be this year. But and people who've spoken with him, he won't uh, be here forever. Yeah. Exactly. So it's there's no question. Uh, At some point, that, you're going to have to do something. Yeah. Right. And the first step, of course, is keeping Jim Harbaugh here, and they're working on a contract, which is great news. Someone's going to give Mike McDonald the head coaching job soon, and I wonder if that's when Jesse Minter slides back in with John Harbaugh. So we'll see. Uh, had two questions on this from account twenty two. And your average fan, uh, I'll put account 22s in because his came in first. What do you think the crowd percentage will be on Saturday night? My early prediction, I'll say 40% Michigan State fans, 30% Michigan fans, and the remaining 30% will be bleachers. Wow. I don't think yeah. so. I think Michigan fans would snap those tickets up in a heartbeat. Yeah. So um, so I'm going to go 65-35 initially with Michigan State fans. Um, hopefully by the end of the game, you know, it's uh, 90% Michigan fans to 10% Michigan State fans. And they take over like Lions fans have taken over these uh, these games on the road. Oh, uh, how fantastic has that been to watch? So, but I do know that there's a concerted effort. I had one person in the media saying, Hey, do you think there's a chance Michigan does a stripe out of Spartan stadium on Saturday? That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> so, uh, with maize and blue, but, um, you know, there are still many Michigan state fans that are going to be there with some hope that, Hey, maybe they catch lightning in a bottle. It's happened before fellows where they should, they had no business being in a game and they were there. So, um, maybe they'll stick around for a couple of quarters to see what happens happens and and want to be part of that one win that makes their entire season yeah i I think the the way the tickets are priced right now i think it's going to be pretty much full in there i I do think people overestimate sometimes how many road fans are in a venue or whatever because they stand out more and you know you think of the student section that's pretty much 100 percent michigan state i think that'll be cleared out probably by the end too um i was there in 2016 as a fan i would say it was probably 70 30 um, and, you know, this is kind of a similar situation. Michigan State ended up 3-9 and nine that year. Michigan obviously had a fantastic season. Um, and by the end of it, it was about 90-10 for sure. Um, so I think it's probably going to be something like that. And 35, uh, I could get on board with that as well. That that would be close to my prediction. Yeah, I'm kidding. I think it will be probably, I think, 65-35 is a good guess. Um, you know, as prices come down. Which is might- crazy. Yeah, I think Michigan fans are going to jump on that, but I also think there's a contingent of a Spartan fandom that will be like, "Hey, you know what? Let's go in there and let's defend this place too." Not defend it in terms of with batteries, throwing batteries, at batteries like that, but and keystone um, light cans. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're a Michigan State fan, you're hoping that it's just kind of somewhat close to halftime, so you can justify the purchase price of going there. But I do think that it will be lopsided by the time the game is over. I have time for. Let's take one more here. Uh, this is a good one from Kyle TT. Uh, he says, how much longer is Mason Graham going to be club handed? A uh, good month. Uh, he, it will go down in size each week, I think, to the point he's going to have one of those where the fingers come out at the top, you know, and uh, so he can grip a little bit better. Uh, this guy's proven that he can play 
with one hand. It's, it's unbelievable. This guy, uh, this guy is, is literally one of my favorite Michigan players uh, of all time already halfway through his sophomore year. After I saw what he did as a true freshman, I'm like, okay, this kid has a chance to be special and we're starting to see that. So, but I did ask him that at a, at a press conference, Kyle. And that's what he said. That is the goal is to get that thing smaller and smaller each week. So by the end of the year, maybe you've got like one of those little Donovan Edwards things uh, on it that he had last year uh, in the bowl game. That was a great question by you when you asked him that last week when you were there. Um, look, he can not only grip like and, and do enough with his hands at the line of scrimmage, he can also grip the football when he's picking it up and recovering a fumble. Go back and look at the pictures of him recovering that fumble. It's hilarious with the club. Uh, it's amazing what he's doing, what he's done the last couple of weeks with that club. Um, so, yeah, keep it going. Get it, get it smaller, and he'll play at an even higher level. And, uh, and, I mean, man, he is he is an unbelievable player. I mean, he's maybe played the two best games of his career with him on, so I say don't rush to get it off at all. So Right. Yeah, uh, use it to your advantage, baby. Medieval. Right. Medieval. Last week, they all need to be outfitted with one, maybe. So there you uh, go. any final thoughts, fellas, before we close this thing out? Uh, we'll talk more about Thursday about the game probably. So look forward to doing that guys. Uh, I hate this week. I just want this week over with. Uh, I have never liked it. It's just, it just gets ugly guys. It's not fun. There's nothing fun about it. I said, I thought they should go on a hiatus, frankly. And you know what? Michigan doesn't need this rivalry. And, uh, I understand that, um, the people, some people like it, but it gotten to the point where it was so ugly. It's just, you know what, it's everything to lose to me and, and not a whole lot to gain when you play this game as a, from, from a Michigan point of view. I, I think it's fun. I think it's fun. And I think Saturday night will be fun for, for Michigan fans. I think these two teams have to play, um, and really just don't commit assault, you know, don't commit felonious assault and you should be good. And, and I don't like chalking that up to the rivalry. I think that was something completely different hatred, evil, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, should be should be on, fun on Saturday night, I would say. If if maybe the, the whole week of waiting and that sort of thing and the pressure isn't all that fun, I think by the end of Saturday night, Michigan fans will be having some fun. Should be fun. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm with you, Clay. I think they should play it, should keep playing it, uh, and they will keep playing it because Michigan State is a protected rival well into the future, even in the new Big Ten. So, uh, also basketball media day tomorrow. We'll have some stuff on that, uh, throughout the week and probably more likely throughout the bye week as well. So, uh, keep it locked in on the Wolverine.com for that. Uh, right now we have a special deal for rivalry week. You can get 50% off your first year's subscription, uh, by heading over to the Wolverine.com as a new subscriber running that promo, uh, in advance of the game on Saturday. So take advantage of that. A lot of great Intel coming from both game analysis, Intel from, uh, inside the Ford Jim Harbaugh's contract. Chris had a great scoop on that on Sunday morning. So head on over to the site and check that out. Uh, be sure to like, and subscribe to the video, uh, download um, the on three app. We shot that out as well. A lot of hard work being uh, put in on that front. So you can get those notifications right to your phone, but it's time to close it out uh, for Clayton Safey and Chris Ballas. I am Anthony Broom, and we will talk to you guys again Thursday as we preview the battle for the Paul Bunyan trophy.